Welcome to the Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Gable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church and Campus Ministry in the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris. I am the pastor of, of Lutheran Campus Ministry, University of Colorado Boulder, and uh, occasionally, evidently, I uh, write things uh, at Living Lutheran online magazine. Do you think we need to introduce ourselves at the beginning of every episode at this point? I'm kind of like, I mean, does, does John Favreau do that at the beginning of uh, Pod Save America? I don't I don't listen to Pod Save America anymore. <laughs> they steered you wrong. They steered steer me wrong. wrong. I'm still burnt on them. It took me a while to come back on Nate. It's going to take me a while to come back to Favreau. I mean, I guess, I guess Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion have like a brief. Mm-hmm. I think so. Does, does uh, to a lot of Mark Maron introduce himself? I don't see. I don't. I don't listen, listen to that one either. I don't listen to that one. I don't believe Bill Simmons does. <laughs> the Pod Father. <laughs> no. <laughs> what would we do for? Would we need to solicit listener feedback for new introductions? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, gosh, it. Is someone tuning in for the first time, wondering who are these people? Like, you could put it. You could just put the bio, like, you know, on the. I mean, Doesn't it show up on the podcast? Yeah, it's in the like, episode like a description, Matt. Yeah. It's in there. Yeah, right? So <laughs> yeah. you can find this information. No, I mean, you don't out. have to. We don't I don't have need to, to tell you. You can do your own work, all right? All these listeners have gotten so lazy. They're like, <laughs> we want you to write our sermons for us. True. We don't want to have to remember your names or who you are, okay? We need that information every time. Just do a little homework, guys. Oh, my gosh. Well... Everyone's going to be tuning into this podcast, Zach, because they want to hear a battle royale. Royale, that's us, man. But they're they're not going to get it because I'm just a, you know. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. I don't either. Zach, you you published an article. You are a published author, flying solo. By the way, so just so you know, Zach, we used to be a band uh, <laughs> in Living Lutheran. <laughs> It was a it was a duo in Living Lutheran, and then Zach went solo, just just went, went solo for his solo album here. It's a side Single, project. Really. I don't know. Yeah, side project. Uh, not under any kind of pseudonym. Just, just should have written it Zach under Harris. a pseudonym. <laughs> I mean, I wrote my comments under a pseudonym, Tim, Tim Snyder. That's so, <laughs> a new best you know. friend. <sighs> oh. So tell us how did how how did this work, Zach? Congratulations! It's exciting. What's the yeah? Uh, so full disclosure, I wrote and submitted this piece in September of 2020. Um, <laughs> so when I was, you kept uh, it under wraps though. That was good. Well, okay. I didn't think that anything had happened. I got fussy one day on the internet, Matt, as I want to do. Uh, it was in a season of um, of um, of a lot of. It feels like the company line about these days in the church, right? Is the church sign that says uh, the building is closed, but church continues or something online, that kind of a thing. And, um, you know, middle of September, I'm like all the way deep in like what turned out to be, you know, just a real shit show of a semester and like trying to do all that stuff. Uh, so, So when the motto of the church is the building is closed, but church continues online, uh, does not feel like a church that I'm really a part of very much 
because that's not my experience and not my community's experience. Uh, at the same time, that um, the lectionary hit. I talked about it on the podcast when it happened. Like we were in Matthew, and Matthew was was using uh, ecclesia for church at the time, and uh, for the first time, I kind of dug into the the etymology of the Greek word ecclesia which means um, out from behind the walls. Uh, and that struck me as a, as a, as a thing. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. And uh, so I think the piece was mostly for myself because, you know, I wrote it in September and didn't hear anything until January uh, <laughs> to process uh, the experience I was having and uh, my community was having with, with pandemic church life. I think it's some rationale for it. Uh, uh, I don't want to. I hate the excuse making. Like I, I stand behind what was published. <laughs> I do, right? Um, and uh, there was there were some cuts and stuff, right? I didn't get full editorial. Like they told me they were going to make some edits and stuff, right? Uh, a part of what got cut that I thought helped humanize it a bit more was. Uh, I, uh, but also, Matt, I think you can empathize with going long uh, and having editors who want to take all your words away. Yeah, um, yeah. That talked a little bit more about, like, the encounters with, like, awkward... The awkward encounters that we have at church um, that that I miss those things. Mm. Um, there's still a little bit of that, but I went into a little more, like, humanizing detail about that. Well, and let me tell you, my um, mother-in-law loved that portion because... She's the one that commented, my awkward encounters are part of, I can't remember how she said it, but clearly struck a nerve. Hit it, right? Because um, I miss those, I don't miss those people, but I miss, like, it is good for me to have those encounters with people I don't want to see. Sure. Even if it's not, like, ra- they're not radically different humans than me. Uh, uh, all that's to say... Matt, what my dopamine has been all over the place, you know, like, like, and I knew, I knew it was going up on Thursday and I knew my dopamine like stuff would, would, would be on like a wild ride. Uh, and, uh, you know, I heard, I've heard from lots of folks, like, uh, some private messages, some public ones, you know, that they really appreciated it and that I put some words yeah. to their experience yeah. and feelings. Uh, there have been, I mean, to my knowledge, only one like willfully ignorant response, <laughs> um, and uh, and then some other folks uh, who were hurt by it, uh, and that's a super bummer. Like, like I don't, I feel all those things at once right now. As a as oh, a no. four who doesn't believe in the enneagram, oh, no. you know, like today has been awful, Matt, because I feel like on one hand, like I helped humans. And also, like, I harmed humans. And, like... Yeah. Um, I don't... I mean, and in fact, like, and I think where I'm at right now, uh, 36 hours into into the into the internet being on it, right, is that uh, I'm still... Uh, I think I may have proved my own point. She said this uh, <laughs> And just demonstrating that the internet can't hold the fullness of that, right? Like... Um, and which is why I think Internet Church uh, can't be the fullness of what church we hope church is and it is intended to be. Well, I'm going to come back around to that point. But first, uh, I mean, you did it, though. Like, you put it out there. Like, as you're, I was thinking, um, 
one of the things that that I'd like to do more of. I'm like, yeah, I should probably like do more writing in the next chapter of my my ministry. And what you just illustrated was that you put your head over that parapet and, you know, all the things, all the things. But you took the risk and you put it out there, which is really, you know, it's got to start somewhere. Something. Yeah, got to start somewhere. <laughs> My normal internet strategy is to, on social net internet, is to avoid sincerity <laughs> because but I, and I, nothing I, good comes. I mean, it's clearly, like, like, you should have some of those folks on that, like... Um, that it did put voice to, because I, I I did hear a lot of like your experience and your ministry's experience. I, I know even at St. Mark's, like my college students did not want to meet once the semester kicked up. Right, we met over the summer and did some stuff. The semester kicked up, they're just on Zoom all the time, so they don't like. So I right like I think one of the things this um, like life is complex and ministry is complex, and this pandemic has exposed a whole bunch of different rifts and. Um, and differences that just shake out in different ways for, for different ministries. So I think, oh, that's definitely true. I, I guess my, my, my argument to your last point is that like, well, nothing can hold the fullness. Like, <laughs> so, so I'm not so sure that like, uh, the in-person worship actually holds the, f- I mean, what does that mean to hold the fullness? What does that mean? <laughs> um, I think it, I mean, I mean, yeah. What does it mean to hold the fullness is a good question. Um, I think my first like um, thought is to go to sacraments uh, and their ability to hold the fullness uh, and the and the very tangible incarnational uh, part of that deal. Um, I think that. I, I'm. I continue to read Matt, uh, and we talked about me trying to quit social internet uh, in the summer or something. Uh, I continue to read that sort of stuff uh, and continue to be uh, convinced that the social internet, in particular, is not uh, good. Uh, and you know, is it's a particularly flawed way to be the church, uh, and that by doing church on the internet. Uh, and, and all that that means is a loaded word um, is um, has a very particular set of shortcomings that I don't know that we're fully aware of all the time. Yeah, I mean, um, my own community talked about that last week uh, after Tuhina preached, which, by the way, uh, before she preached, we did play. Phil Collins in the air tonight, <laughs> which is something like I can feel the spirit coming over me. She did not know it was coming, and it was an amazing moment to see her face. But after she preached, uh, yeah, people lifted up like like the the corrosive effects of social media, and it was young people that were like that were talking about that, right? So it's not um, so clearly clearly there's there's truth to that. I, I I I feel like my overall position on that would be that there are. There are good ways to do in-person worship, and there are not-so-great ways to do in-person gatherings. There are good ways to do stuff online. There are not-so-good ways to do stuff online. And I feel like it's just this mixed... Uh, you you got to find some way to navigate that, but it doesn't seem like the method is the is the thing. There's there's good... I've seen... I've seen... You know, when the Eucharist came out, yeah. I said, what do you think about the Eucharist? And I said... I've seen it done really well. 
and our student done really poorly. <laughs> so that's I feel like that's my position on worship. I think that right, like uh, a part of the assumptions that I hear in some of the responses, the more critical responses, are coming from a place that assumes that the church exists. <laughs> uh, right? Like, um, that it's kind of already there. Um, what I have found is not just that, like, my students don't want to use, like, Zoom or to, like, be an online church, mm-hmm. uh, but that... but because time for us moves so quickly um, we're always doing community formation there's always a new community forming mm-hmm. I don't have like my old people have been around forever have been like really committed for two years or something um, that that it's exceedingly difficult or impossible. I mean, it's been impossible in our case for new people to join a community that is that exists only online, uh, as an online or, or an online church, a church that exists only mm. online, whatever that means. Right, right. Um, because so much of it is. Um, I mean, that's what's been so crappy about 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 school, like. Uh, higher education the past um, couple years and, and granted right higher education doesn't all look the same but within stereotypical kind of visions of undergraduate stuff where 18 to 22 year olds come and live uh, you know um, I'm convinced still that the dorm experience is really important even though I would never ever want to do it again uh, <laughs> right like it's it's a great thing for society I think that you get forced to put your physical body into space with all these other people who you don't know or agree with or even though you're not that diverse right like we can do all the all the the caveats um, but in general I think that's a good thing um, and that I mean and beyond the dorm experience so much of it is just spending for those of us who went to college can think back about really formative parts of college were the times of just being physically with one another in sort of belonging, forming ways. And that what we have found, what I have found, what many of my colleagues in campus ministry have found is that, that the online version of church can't do that uh, effectively at all. And that that's not, and I don't want to like, I sincerely am not like have no intention of, of saying like, the work you have done and are doing does not matter. Um, I, I hear, I understand that I know that as a person who's uh, got all the emotions today, that we're all carrying lots of emotional things and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so I hear that and I'm, I'm willing to, to hear those, those responses. But like this, like, here's what I'm thinking about. Uh, because our students right are always on their way in or out you know i've got a very small group of core people that i can just like lean on and like they'll be there but that's my three four five people or or is what your congregation looks like because your stability at 50 or or whatever right and that feels a lot better and, and there are different dynamics at those numbers uh but that means the vast majority of our people are always on some level at the periphery and during this semester um 
we did a lot of, or during the fall semester, we did a lot of like um, delivery of things. We had the shutdown where students were locked, only students in Boulder, the city of Boulder were locked down for three weeks and we did meal deliveries and care packages. And at one point I was dropping one of those off um, in this thing that was, in those experiences, those encounters were both uh, at once very intimate and very distanced, right? Um, because, yeah, was dropping that that the uh, something off with a student who I think about it is is a pretty solid part of our community, but on the periphery, and um, I noticed when I got back in the car after that quick drop off, I thought to myself that I thought I saw that they had been cutting, right, which is is not an, a super uncommon thing for students. But I only got to see them for this moment, and I think I saw it, and it's the kind of thing that the appropriate pastoral response would have been something really subtle, in person, not accusatory, right, just like a check-in kind of thing. Um, and our inability to be physically together didn't make the space for that, right? If I send like just a text, like let's do internet coffee, like that's super mm-hmm. intimidating, right? And not at all the appropriate, like I'm going to scare them away. Um, and so like that's, I think they're doing fine. You know, we've yeah talked about other things, but that's, maybe they yeah. weren't, you know, like right. and I wasn't able to do what I knew I was supposed to do, you know, um, sure. or should yeah. have done or. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's real. And I think that's um, one of the things I've been dealing with this week is navigating funerals uh, again. And folks really want to have these in-person funerals, right? And I, I get it, right? I get it. Um, and I and I got to be the one to say, you know, I, I'm trying to... You, you go through this, this one phase of that and you say, I'm going to do the right thing and say, no, we can't do this thing. But then you actually get on the phone with someone and you're like, how, how do you walk them through, like walk them through that. Um, and, and as part of that, I bring that up to say, I know that there are folks um, in my community that are grieving right now that I just, I, I cannot help in the way that I would be able to um, in another time when we could have a, a, that small group gathering and that would be the place where we could check in and support each other. And there's just no way to get to that person because I know they're not going to show up in the online space, right? And there's just no way uh, to support them in the way that they, they should be supported. Um, and so we have like, like, I completely concede that, like, we have lost, we have lost things. Um, grieve and lament, uh, and I think we should, we should make space for that. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, like, uh, and I, again, right, I wrote it, I had to reread it on Thursday morning to see what got published and what I wrote. Um, certainly my intent was just, my primary intent was to grieve. Uh, for myself and for my community and to make sense of it so that it's not because I find myself so often in the position of saying no young adults they're not as bad as you say they are right <laughs> like they're not interested in the church they don't care about the like I that's my default position has for, for 10 years now right has had to be like no no you're just not listening to them right like you don't understand like no they're w- very faithful right like they're all these things um, and so to hear to over, to, to, 
in response to at the time what I saw as a number of like kind of celebratory like look how great the church is at adapting but leaving behind young adults again mm-hmm. um, I felt like there needed to be another voice uh, that laments it but also doesn't blame them right for not sure wanting yeah. to be on zoom for zoom church right like yeah amen yeah um and, and yeah. that's been my personal experience. I've been to lots of Zoom Church. I've presided at Zoom Church and preached on Zoom Church in a bunch <laughs> of different contexts. Uh, yeah. um, and my experience as a participant has, has been that it's has always has, has been that it's been empty um, mm. for me. And 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 I th- I think what it is right is that the churches that where I show up and I, I lead and stuff, I'm not fully a, a part of those communities. Mm. Um, and that, that I don't experience that emptiness when I'm usually with them. And I think my, the physical presence of just being with people, uh, does a lot of that work. That's really, yeah, that is essential to the church, right? If the church isn't incarnate, right. Is it sure the church is the rhetorical question? Yeah, no, I I was just lamenting last week. I mean, we, we, we lost someone really, really just one of those core members um, of the of the community, and and I was just thinking how much work that you know, if we were in person for church, all that like for church after church, the hugs, the like checking in, all that stuff that just kind of that happens. Um, and again, it's it's not perfect, but but there's just I, I I don't know how you accomplish all that stuff, right? I made a lot of phone calls, but it still felt like you know like we didn't we didn't have that moment. Um, so I, I, I do. I think there's there's a lot to lament. My uh, Episcopal colleague, uh, maybe we'll, we'll post it on the Facebook page, um, who I think has done a, a fantastic job. I think they I really enjoy sincerely how they I think they do it really well. Zoom Church in particular, Matt, with the awkwardness piece, they do a coffee hour that has breakout groups. Uh, and I always feel obligated to save a coffee hour, right, because it's an important part of things. And I spend like the countdown to, to small group hoping that I get a good group, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, and that's the kind of, like, vibe that I don't, like, usually... I don't get another uh, part of the vibe that, I, that I'm that i missing. And then I miss, like, like I lament that, that my... Like, my daughter is missing. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, all of her experience at church these days, you know, or these days, those days... Whenever we gather in person, at, at her developmental age is just being around all of these people. Sure. Um, yeah. And yeah. you know, she's not getting getting that, and that's sure. Yeah. I care about much more than her retention right. of, of Bible stories or whatever. Right. 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 See, internet, you thought you were going to get a battle royale, and instead you got lament. <laughs> Just a little bit. And I feel like, yeah, I think if I had to do things, I think that, again, you know, I'm going to stand, completely stand by what I wrote. It was my experience. And, uh, and that's, yes, completely stand by it. Um, you know, that it, it generated stuff on both sides that I think typically is like a, a, typically a healthy, Sign, you know, I that doesn't mean I don't like also lament uh, the hurt that it may have caused people. Um, mm. uh, but that tone wise, 
January to September, right, like this, I can also recognize that more lament on top of lament in the middle of this January is a different place than than in September where the church felt a little more triumphant about like mm-hmm. we've just pivoted and adapted and figured out how we're going to do this stuff. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh since folks of uh supporters of online church probably want me to make a case, <laughs> I will just lift up. I mean, I think my response um, it's just to look at my own community's experience, right? And I think it's really, it, it's still really challenging to to figure out how to, to make sense of that because it isn't, you don't want to just have this triumphant note, right? There's a lot that's been lost, even, even locally in my community. It's not like we've like somehow like figured everything out. Like we, we're just dealing with so much grief right now. Um, and yet, like we've discovered that God has been present in these really surprising ways. And so in the midst of it, I don't want to lose sight of that because my folks really have stepped up in some amazing ways and, and discovered their gifts in some, in some new ways. Um, they continue to gather. Um, they pushed me to have breakout rooms, which has meant that people have actually been mixed up more than usual. You know, you might go to that uh, table in the at coffee hour where, the, where you know somebody there and instead so they just get randomized. And then what I hear later is, Oh, yeah, yeah, I met so-and-so in a breakout room. And what I'm really curious to see is, like, you know, a couple years from now, will, will that still be a story that's told? You know, like, now that we're back in in-person worship, oh, but we, we, we met in that breakout room, right? And so these, like, there's just some interesting little um, developments. And I don't, I don't, like, so all of that, um, we are doing some organizing that I think, I think some of the meetings that we've been able to have, um, I don't think I would have had the turnout if they were in person just because of the nature. Maybe that's the nature of L.A. and the, having to drive into church for a one hour meeting and, you know, et cetera. Whereas, you know, it, it, it some of this has made um, some of that easier, especially for folks that don't have transportation to be able to just log on their phone and participate in a meeting, um, I think, has been has been a valuable thing. And so I, I just I, I think bottom line is that. Um, you know, God has been present in some surprising ways. And so I want to value that and, and lift that up without losing sight of the fact that, like, you know, that's happening in the midst of just a really challenging, um, challenging time. So there's my. I don't think I finished the thought, actually, oh, about okay. the article that my <laughs> Episcopal colleague shared. I don't think I ever got around talking yeah. about it. I talked about the awkward breakout rooms oh, uh, I, was, I thought you were going yeah no she uh, she wrote about like the three things that she's found that are really have been really helpful for, for her for 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 St. Aidan's to make it through the pandemic uh, and one of the first things that she acknowledges is that, that she feels like their success has been dependent on her long term relationship with the congregation mm-hmm. and the trust and all that kind of stuff uh, mm-hmm. and that's the thing certainly that I'm most jealous of you and of, of, of my colleagues, um, uh, that, that I, that I think it is much easier to do the online stuff because of it's, because of your pre-existing physical relationships, you know, mm-hmm. um, that you've been there physically for folks for, for 10 years. Um, and, and that the people themselves have built relationships over generations, you know, sure. uh, is a, I think a, a pretty different dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely it's definitely true. It's it's definitely something that I mean, even offline, um, 
you know, that I'm thinking about in terms of like, all right, I'm, I'm 10 years in, what, what does that mean we could do now that we couldn't have done before? Mm-hmm. Like, like rather than just being like, all right, now we're settled in. I'm going to put it on cruise control. <laughs> we'll just ride this thing out. But to say, no, we've, we've built up enough trust that like, for example, we were able to have the reconciling in Christ conversation a couple of years ago. And I don't think mm-hmm. I could have had that conversation six months in, uh, but six years in now we're at a different, we've got a different level of trust, right. To be able to tackle those things. So even offline, that's definitely true. Um, at the same time, like we have added like new people, in that in that online space which usually it's somebody inviting somebody they know or are related to so but that's also how church grows normally um so i i don't know i, I don't know how to account for that i don't know where that leads when we I, I it's it's really weird uh to be in this space too where like there there is god i hope so going to be an end point <laughs> to whatever <laughs> it looks like now um and i think some of these things will be incorporated but it's not like we're just going to keep doing online church when you know, everybody is vaccinated. So, um, I, I don't know how, how it all shakes out in the end. I, I really, I really don't know how it's all going to shake out in 2022 or 2023. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But for now, we just continue by the grace of God. Yeah. Well, there you go, internet. We've settled the debate. There it is. Hot, hot debate. We're going to talk about texts? I guess. As long as we argue about them. All right. Speaking of arguing, though, this is a good... This is like an original uh, internet battle here. Uh, Flame war. Flame war. (laughs) What, in Jonah? Yeah. Jonah and God totally convict the people of Nineveh. They are absolutely and completely wrong. Complete idiots. And then God changes God's mind, and Jonah's like, what the hell? I thought we agreed that we canceled the people of Nineveh. Uh, And God's like, nah, they're good. Yeah, it's it's an incredible story. We, um... Did we read it here earlier? I can't... I, I don't know if it came up in the lectionary earlier sometime in the last year we read it in my community in the summer it's I, i'm just as i'm reading this uh this time again uh nineveh so we should should i read it the word of the lord came to jonah a second time saying get up go to nineveh that great city and proclaim to it the message that i tell you so jonah set out and went to nineveh according to the word of the lord now nineveh was an exceedingly large city a three days walk across Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on a sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Uh, this is the chapter three of, uh, I think there's like four chapters so in Jonah's four, total. Right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. we've had a little story before this, uh, again, second time is key here. Cause the first time was when he ended up in that whale, uh, and now, or big fish, whatever. But, uh, now here he is the second time he's going into Nineveh. Uh, and I, I'm just picturing this image, uh, on this reading of Jonah. Okay. So three days walk across, uh, and 40 days, so I don't know if he's just going to do laps, like back and forth, 
uh, you know, until the 40 days are up. But he's kind of got, you know, he's planning for at least three days, uh, if not 40. And so he's probably, you know, maybe he's packed snacks, you know, I don't know. He's really got to be ready. He's got his 10 essentials. He's, he's ready to go. He's got a plan. He gets a third of the way into the city. And people are like, all right. Uh, good enough. We're, We're no, good points. You make great points. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. It never happens. This is like, okay, the Capitol got stormed, and we're like, um, hey, uh, QAnon, that's, it, no, it's not, it's not true. Oh, all right, sure. Oh, great. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> we're all, we're all on board. <laughs> like, this just, what? It makes, it makes no sense. And yet, uh, I'm trying to, I was trying to find, like, the relation to the, to the gospel. Um, and, and, you know, clearly here's Jesus coming in, repent, believe in the good news. And, and so people do. Uh, and so maybe part of the point here is like, sometimes it works. You just, you, just, you know? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it works. I, uh, I still have vivid memories of uh, Ralph Klein in our, our Old Testament class, uh, or Hebrew class, I think it was. We had to translate this, was, uh, was the thing we did every day. We worked on a little bit of Jonah. Um, talking about how big this makes Nineveh sound, right? Where he was like, if you started at the bottom of Chicago, right, at the lakeshore, on, on the lakeshore path, you could probably get to Evanston in a day, right? Like, if you just walked, <laughs> if that's all you did all day, you know, you could get to Evanston. Uh, but, but, but this story says three of those. That's how big Nineveh was, right? And again, ancient Near East. But human population is significantly smaller, but this city is three times the city of uh, Chicago. Um, and so, you know, just to hit some of the... It's such a good story. All of Jonah is so good. Uh, just perhaps a reminder that, that keep it connected to the fish uh, and that this is... <laughs> <laughs> in that tall yeah. tale sort of um yeah 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 which is awesome for preaching you know i am right. a little disappointed we cut out the temper tantrum that that, that jonah oh throws and we don't we don't get it next week right so what happens yeah. after this is that um that jonah is really upset that they repent <laughs> that it worked he's like I thought I was going to get to sit here and watch some fireworks and watch them get smited, but you had to go and change your mind. Uh, They had to change their mind. I got regurgitated out of a giant fish for nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. We, we only remember the, um, the giant fish and yet there are, there are four distinct parts to the story that are pretty awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's uh, in its immediacy, Matt, uh, and its its quickness with which events happen. Uh, it is connected here to Mark. Uh, Mark, uh, which is the gospel we've seen a lot of this year, uh, for your overview here, is the, the shortest and, and likely the earliest and the most, in not intense, but like most fast-paced of the Gospels, uh, and we're only 14 verses in, Matt, and we are off and running. Jesus has already, there's, John has already, this is 13 verses before this. Uh, John appeared in the wilderness doing, dressing funny. Jesus shows up, gets dunked in the water, uh, voice of from heaven booms. Then uh, Jesus is driven into the wilderness, and now he's back, <laughs> Okay. That's what's happened already in 13 verses. And it turns out something else has happened that has not been noted. Uh, John was arrested. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't get that story here in Mark, though fun Greek word stuff, uh, what gets translated as arrested here in NRSV, uh, could also be read as like betrayed or handed over, uh, which mm. makes it a little more sinister um, and might be more helpful yeah. for storytelling. Mark is amazing. Like, this is all just in chapter one. You know, like Luke, you get to chapter two. Chapter two is when Jesus is born. You know, you <laughs> yeah. suck in that verse story in chapter two. Mark's still chapter one, and he's already calling disciples. We're like, let's go. Matthew has not yet finished telling us who Jesus' great, <laughs> right, great, great, right. great, 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 great grandfather is. <laughs> yep. John yep. is still pontificating about what existed before nothing existed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Mark... Uh, has a grown-ass Jesus uh, who's been through a lot already. Yeah. And uh, in our brief reading today, it's going to have three distinct uh, episodes. Uh, now, after John was arrested, uh, by the way, John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for humans, for people. And immediately, of course, right away, they didn't think about it. They left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Uh, the gospel of the Lord here, man. Thanks be to God. Now, these stories are wild. The two, like the last two episodes, um, you know, a part of, of the point of the, one of the things that I thought was important to write about in the, in the article we were referencing earlier, Matt, was, uh, and you've, if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me talk about it a lot. The the roles that, that local families played in uh, society in the ancient Near East and how dependent you were on your household or your family. Uh, so wrapped up in this for me also is is uh, uh, some pushing back on on household ministry and keeping church even in non pandemic times within a household it seems antithetical to to Jesus's vision of the ecclesia. Uh, and so, um, as I said before, your family, your blood relatives, are the only people who had any social responsibility to you and for you. Uh, and here you get all these dudes who Jesus is just like, hey, would you like to follow me? I'm an itinerant preacher uh, wandering around Galilee, uh, engaging in socially abhorrent behavior, uh, like wandering around, because wandering around is not a thing people did. You didn't travel except to make pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem. Other reasons for traveling were considered dubious, right? Uh, and they do not say, wow, let me think about it. Tell me more about the good news. No, they immediately are like, yeah, screw this. I'm going with you, man. Um, and it's it's made even even starker in the last little little episode here, where you get James and John, the sons of Thunder of Zebedee, who has a killer name, but definitely his killer name cannot keep his family in line because they literally leave their father sitting in the boat. Uh, they are screwing their father here, right? He's got some hired men, but. It's also like the family unit is an economy, and you just t- took two young men in their physical primes out of the economy of this household. Uh, and so it's dishonorable to their father and to their family for them to just immediately ditch him and leave him behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 How is it, uh, how is it justifiable for them to do that? Uh, it's not, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not uh, not justifiable. The only the other point I'm going to make uh, I, I, this is new to me uh, in in research on the ancient Near East was that there are wet and dry seasons, which obviously there are wet and dry seasons. Uh, I imagine in Los Angeles there's a wet season and a dry season, um, but uh, evidently uh, wandering around was hard to do during the wet season. And so um, so this likely happened in uh, March, we are told, uh, from Rorwa and Molina, and that the dry season went from March to September, and that was kind of like the window you had for doing this kind of stuff, because you planted in March and you harvested in September, and they didn't have a lot to do between then, so you had a lot of time on your hands, uh, for farmers, which most people were, and you, the roads were good enough and the seas were still enough for you to travel because in the winter, the wet season, storms could go up and, again, people were terrified of large bodies of water, so you wouldn't want to sail on stormy seas uh, or even have that possibility. So what that does, right, is, is Mark... We know Mark has a sense of urgency. In part, it's because Jesus has this literal window to get things done. Uh, because if you're going to wander around Galilee, uh, pick up followers and attempt to overthrow the capital, uh, you got to do it by September because it's like uh, trying to take Russia in the wintertime. Not going to work out in October. You're going to lose people because I got to harvest. Like maybe Zebedee can put up with this for a little while in the summer when he doesn't have that much going on. But come harvest time, I need these people back and, and you're going to lose people and you're not going to be able to travel and stuff. So... Um, one of the things that I do appreciate uh, about the campus ministry context, Matt, despite uh, all of the downside I've experienced in the past nine months uh, is related to that, is that, that we get ministry has to happen in these windows. Uh, if it doesn't happen this semester before this community disbands, it's not going to happen. Um, and so there is this mark and sense of urgency. And it's yeah. It's uh, it's kind of like uh, a response to like incrementalism, an incremental response to the gospel. Uh, instead of just saying, you know, well, we'll do a little bit of gospel here and then there, but they're not ready for this, right? It's yeah. just this vision of like, no, you can just turn the gospel on. Like, kingdom of yeah. heaven's near now, so let's go. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And so that's terrifying, horrifying, and really exciting all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here we are. Uh, we're recording this. Uh, well, today actually is MLK Day. It's just observed on Monday, I think. That's right. Fifteenth. It's his uh, birthday. And, and yeah, yeah. So, King, we're talking about the fierce urgency of now, and would argue against this incrementalism. And I think that's. I feel like that's my takeaway today on on these texts. Um, you know, with both Jonah and Mark, is that like. You know, the, the, the bad news that we tell ourselves is that nothing ever changes. And so it's really easy to just, and for good, like, you can, you just mount up the evidence and it's very easy to, to, to come to that conclusion. And yet these texts tell us something different. They tell us that things can change really quickly, that God can speak a new word um, and suddenly the dominoes can fall. Uh, and, and, um, and clearly the, the yeah, that, that things can change really quickly. I, I just think like, you know, uh, how often do we not make that call uh, because we don't think there's going to be any positive response to it? And here, right. work for Jonah, work for Jesus, just give, give it a shot. There's no guarantee. You know, it's all, it's all great. You just no got to call Cory Gardner one time and he's going <laughs> to repent. <laughs> sure. Or Kevin yeah. McCarthy if he happened to be in uh, Central Valley. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I think, but it, but I think it, it's it's almost like it does take. I mean, it sounds ridiculous when you say it, right? Kevin McCarthy is not gonna, but you you somehow I, I think people that are really um, out there making change, like you have to have some kind of faith like that. Like you have to have some kind of faith that like that just on the face of it is ridiculous, um, and yet uh, this is how it happens. <laughs> It, so the classic way to preach this text, I think, would be to say, uh, you have your intro about New Year's resolutions, right? How this is the year everything's going to change. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you look around and like, oh, well, I mean, the way to preach it this year is to say 2021, 2020's behind us. Nothing bad's going to happen no more. Uh, and then we open our eyes and it's 2021 and we want to be 2020 done. Um, uh, things hadn't changed. It looks the same. Uh, and you can see so the tie in here, right, is the Fisher part, right? Like, uh, even though it doesn't look like, like, it's not like Jesus, like, introduces, like, gospel robots that came out of nowhere and everything is completely. Jesus uses the stuff that looks really ordinary here. That he takes fishers, they remain fishers. The essence of who they are, the vocational way to get at this, is the essence of, of their identity is not changed. They are who they are. But Jesus, uh, in this gospel vision of the kingdom, uh, can use them, right, for this radical change. Um, so, yeah. um, so uh, to sharpen a critique of the online church map, here's what I need it, okay? Here's what I think Here I we need, go. Here's what I think I want or needed, right, that would have been more helpful to me in in these days than, than online worship services. Uh, right, like, this year has been so hard of living, you know, with just my family. Um, I mean, it's it's without a doubt the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is to stay alive and to keep my family alive for the past nine months. Um, and that's, that's not like a metaphor. Uh, keeping us all alive was sometimes a very real task that, 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 that we've had to to do. We could have reorganized like the way we we lived, right? Like that I'm so jealous of my Episcopal colleague. Mary Kate has really figured this stuff out. She's plugged into um, she's in a little different place and able to make it work, but she knows these like young adults who've been floating around that she's like halfway contracted to be kind of like au pairs and like live with her and give her the support that she needs because like she's a single mother with two like twins in elementary school and that's like and the priest of a of a parish and, and Matt, I can't imagine like how you would live doing that, right? Like that, and for all the the homebound folks, and I, I know there are lots of complications to it, right? But like who've been stuck at home alone, uh, thousands of miles away from relatives and stuff. Maybe there was a broader. I'm convicted in this too. I'm not like critiquing parish pastors. Um, maybe we could have thought bigger about like you families move in together and like support one another and like be a bubble together and make that commitment to one another. Um, and that there could have been like, I didn't need Sunday school, you know, like online Sunday school. Like I needed help, like real help. Um, Mm. so anyway, uh, and we had the parts for that. I think is what how I'm going to try to get back to the text. Um, yeah, tie it to the text. Tie it to the text. The same way Jesus uses fishers, right? Like we had the parts for that, and maybe we we all right 
for lots of good and bad reasons didn't didn't do that all right yeah yeah well i think and, and i think i think my counter point is that like people people have like there there are people that have like gone out and like reorganized things and like for mutual aid groups and like uh, have just done some some really amazing things. And, and the way that I would tie that to the text is to say, like, here here we go. It starts out, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee. We thought it was going to be John. We thought it was going to look like this. Uh, but then John got arrested, so we had to change course. We had to try something new. Um, we, we had to just keep going, which is what Mark is all about. Just go, go, go. It's now. we got to do something now. We can't just, like... Uh, and so, so we did. We kept going. We kept going. I think the, the thing that's really that's really hard the the hard question that doesn't that you don't don't dig that hole because you can't get out of it which is why does this work sometimes and it doesn't work other times like you know like why do you call out repent and then it works here but i do it on my street corner and it doesn't work like it like but clearly it's not a formula um right there's some like so i i i that's that's like a whole other thing but the fact that that reality exists um doesn't negate the fact that this time it worked and there's some there's some gospel in that there you go there you go you got two different takes preachers see it's a buffet Uh, Matt, uh, usually we talk about music on the podcast. I'd like to tell you, I got some new vinyl. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, what do you got? Um, I'm beefing up my REM collection because I only have... Uh, I have all the vinyl from the IRS years before they switched over to Warner Brothers and released Green. So Green and On was much more like CD-focused than, than the stuff before yeah, that. And right. so like all the IRS stuff you can find in like... Hmm. I mean, you could go anywhere and get like rec- any record store and find a Reckoning or a Fables of the Reconstruction or Document or that kind of stuff. Um, so I got Monster, which is really, really fun to listen. Zelma really likes Monster, which was my first REM album. And uh, The scary one? The scary one? Oh, yeah, I shouldn't have said it. I'm so sorry to our listeners. Should have. The scary one. I got the scary one. Um, Zelma's into the scary one. And then I went with uh, Automatic for People, the, the 25th anniversary and uh but here's the one i didn't think about i found it i got excited for it matt uh, uh the high women the hi- you got the high women album i got awesome. the high women album on vinyl and it's kind of fun it's only has it's a double and it only has uh three sides worth of music right so there's a blank side and they put this etching they like etched the vinyl on the back side of of what is uh side d uh it's really cool really cool also, Monster cool. only has a side C and a side D. There is no A or B. It's a very, what? A very Aryan thing to do is to give you a side C and D, <laughs> but no side A or B. I don't have a single Aryan album on vinyl. Oh. Where, where should I start? Where should I start? I mean, so least amount of money to invest for the biggest payoff is you got to get document. Document. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's what that's what uh, are you talking REM Remi did for me was help me appreciate like how good document was. Um, yeah, you know I mean it's got classic like absolute bangers right like it's the end of the world is on there the one I love is on there, um, but then like exhuming McCarthy is killer. Uh, the fu- yeah, there's really good stuff on there. 
Awesome. But what are you uh, listening to this week, man? What am I listening to? Well, uh, continuing to listen to my vinyl record player. Uh, ran into a, a, a hitch this week. I have, an, I have a copy of U2's The Unforgettable Fire that Chris got from me when she was in Germany 21 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> when we first started dating. Uh, and at that time, like my U2 vinyl albums were imports. Like you'd oh, go to yeah. like Tower Records and it had the import sticker on it because they like I mm-hmm. guess Americans <laughs> put yeah. Europeans in it. I don't know. Uh, so this was like you know she found it in Germany, uh, but I tried to play it and it sounded like I don't know if it's scratched up or what, but it was like skipping around and stuff. And I was like, what's I'm gonna have to troubleshoot this. Like I don't know if it's just maybe it's just the record, but then I, I just wasn't sure. So I'm gonna have to do some investigation because it was like, oh man, this is not interesting. Isn't working like all my other albums were just hmm. sounded beautiful. So I I don't know, but I gotta I gotta get it working. This is a it's an important album here. U2's The Unforgettable Fire. But the other ones uh, I've been listening to, um, Chris got me a Mavis Staples record for uh, for Christmas, her We Get By, the 2019 album that Ben Harper wrote all the songs for uh, and produced. And so her first uh, song on that album is called Change, which fits these texts pretty well. Uh, and it's it, uh, it moves. It's got one of those beats that just kind of moves along, uh, just like Mark's Gospel has an urgency to it. Uh, and then uh, also enjoyed putting on some Motown uh, on a Saturday morning. So a song from the Marvelettes, Too Many Fish in the Sea. Too Many Fish in the Sea, uh, an obvious connection. Uh, and then finally, one that I listened to digitally, but still enjoy, still enjoy. Uh, Molly Tuttle's Take the Journey, Take the Journey. I think, I mean, Matt, like, I promise this will be my last defense of the article, right? <laughs> but, like, the metaphor I went with was the difference between digital and analog music, uh, which is not big, right? Like, it's not like digital music sucks, you know? Like, it's just a small difference. It's not the same. That's all I'm saying. Um, and that you should trash your Spotify account. I didn't say it. Anyway, Matt, I, uh, I love the selections. I'm really excited about my selections this week. Uh, they're good songs and found some resonance here. I'm going to lead off with St. Vincent, who I should really get on vinyl. I, I just am inspired to do that this week. Uh, off of Mass Education, uh, there's Slow Disco, but then there's a remix called Fast Slow Disco that is kind of like a, a souped-up for the club version of Slow Disco. Uh, and it speaks to the intensity of Mark's gospel, but then the chorus is all about these call stories. Slip my hand from your hand, leave you dancing with a ghost. Uh, and it just repeats over and over again. And John, James and John, they're Zebedee. They're, uh, they slip my hand from your hand and you leave you fishing with a ghost. Uh, it's Fast Slow Disco by St. Vincent. Um, and uh, as we look out, Matt, this week on Nineveh, home of the worst people on earth, uh, I can see Jonah sitting back under that cursed fig tree uh, saying, let's have a toast for the douchebags. Let's have a toast for the assholes. <laughs> let's have a toast for the scumbags. Every one of them that I know. Let's have a toast for the jerk offs that'll never take work off. Baby, I got a plan. Run away fast as you can. I'm pretty sure these are the words that uh, that John was actually saying 
as he walked around Nineveh. Uh, <laughs> Runaway, Kanye featuring Pusha T off of, uh, um, gosh, what's it called? The one 2010? Um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah. That album I love sonically and uh, dislike lyrically. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and last, Matt, as we push out, we got two folks. Uh, we got Jonah's, uh, who's spent some time in the sea, and we've got these disciples, uh, James and John, on the edge of the sea. I'm going Sea of Love, uh, and I'm going to put Cat Power's version, which was recorded in 2000 and uh, really gained notoriety on the Juno soundtrack. Uh, but I did not know until this week when I researched it that it was originally written and recorded by a guy named Phil Phillips in 1959. It went to number one, and he says that in the end, this is only it, he received $6,800 for uh, lifetime compensation for writing that song. Wow. Which is a bummer. The music industry, not perfect, it turns out, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. But I think that's, this is a good playlist, man. I think we did good this week with the playlist and with the hot, hot takes. Hot takes. Hot takes. It's uh, It's been real. Real vinyl. Do we have to say vinyl at the end because people know that that's what's coming, right? 